What's up, everybody? Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur Podcast. We're your hosts, Nat Harward and Nate Bagley. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Should we dive into the episode? Oh, yeah. Super excited for this Strategy Wednesday. Let's dive in. This is episode 248, I believe. That's amazing that you knew that off the top of your head. Well, I just listened to uh, uh, Friday's episode this morning, and I'm pretty sure that was 246. Cool. So I hope I got that right. If not, stick with Brian's number, not mine. I'm here again with Nate Bagley, and we are talking about his event, uh, Utah Date Night, which was just this past Friday, February 15th. And we're going to look at it through the lens of Brian's new entrepreneur pyramid. Um, not really, well, new, newly articulated. He's been working with this for a long time. That pyramid, just for a refresher, has uh, at the base, your audience, move up to marketing, your offer, sales, and caps it off with growth. And all of that pyramid sits on a foundation or a base of the entrepreneur. That's you. And you. Well, that's you collective listeners. Yes. Yes. All of you listening. Yes. The plural you, you. Are, you are the entrepreneur. The aggregate you. Yes. So as uh, I ask Nate some questions and walk through date night with him today, you can consider uh, your business and where you're at with uh, the health and strength of each of those components of your pyramid. And perhaps something uh, that Nate, Nate says will be enlightening or helpful and give you some tips and guidance of... Can I be honest? Yeah, I'm course. nervous. I'm like, I'm, I'm excited, but I'm also nervous to <laughs> talk nervous. about this event. The ups and down. the downs and the challenges and all that. Yeah. Like it, it's, it, there's a desire to appear like, mm. um, oh, this was effortless and flawless and it went so well. And I like, I'm committed to sharing, um, to sharing with Brian's listeners, with our listeners right now, the things that people don't typically talk about. The straight story. I want to give it to them straight. So let's do it. I'm nervous about it, but I'm committed. Let's do this. Cool. All right. So we're going to start with the audience and then we'll finish at the end with the entrepreneur to yeah. come back to it and talk about you. So, um, my favorite topic. Yeah. So give us <laughs> a sense, Nate, of your, of your audience at the time that you started, uh, marketing the event and how, you know, again, just the, the, the big picture look, cause I know it's been years in the making, but sort of, yeah, the highlight of, of what it has taken generally for you to get to the point to have the audience that you have at this time. Yeah. It, that, that's an interesting thing. Cause I have people who approach me at these events and they say like, Oh, I wanted to do something like this. And I had two people last night actually say that to me. And what they don't realize is that I started with one with a podcast with zero listeners and two, when I first started speaking, it was to workshops with people. Like I remember um, doing workshops and literally having three people, five people show up and being terrified that I would be seen as um, a fraud because I didn't have a huge audience. But my commitment from that very beginning, I, I literally remember <laughs> sitting there, you know, public coffee in Salt Lake. Yeah. There's a coffee oh, yeah. shop and they have a big, they have a big, huge like event space. And it was me and five people. 
in this huge, like 2000 square foot room. And I just set up five chairs and there was a stage and I didn't get on the stage cause I was too embarrassed. I just put a table in front of them and I sat there and I was like, all right, well, this room is not sold out and not even close, but here's what I can do is I can serve these people for the next four hours to the very best of my ability and just try and help them in any way that I could. And I remember at one point, were you like mortified yes. at all? Like the night before the morning of knowing yes. the size of the room and knowing you only had five. It was horrible. It was horrifying. Yeah. I'm like, I, I like, I just felt sick to my stomach. I'm like, are these, what are these people going to think of me? And, and when approximately when was this, how many years ago or, Oh man, here. it was, it was probably like three or four years ago. Okay. And, um, uh, the podcast first launched cause that was, a, that was the thing that started building yeah. an audience. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And that was like seven 13, years, seven 2013 years or 12, uh, 12, I believe 12, 2012. Yeah. Like very, very end of 2012, beginning of 2013. Yeah. Um, so years in the making that's yes. Yeah. So it's been a while. Mm-hmm. So I just remember, yeah, I remember for that specific event, I remember um, there's one couple that was sitting on the very front row on the left side and they started out with arms folded, not touching each other, not engaging with each other. And halfway through the event, as I started to like teach principles about forgiveness and, and open and communication and all these other great relationship principles, um, I, they started to soften. And by the end of the event, they were like cuddling and holding hands and they were like getting a little emotional with each other. And I was like, okay, I got these people results and that's, that's what I need. You know, what's great about that is, um, I just thought about the people that approached you last night. And I think a lot of us have that initial desire of like, Oh, I want to have a room full of people and impact millions of people and everything. But before you can even have like an honest dream of doing that, you've got to be real. Like, can you make a difference with one person yeah. or one couple? And you got to be willing to swallow it and say, I'm, I'm not going to aim to be famous. I'm just going to aim to help one person. Cause if you're only willing to do it on contingent that millions of people are interested as the wrong, you will not build an audience. Yeah. If that is like, if you're, if the, if having an audience is your intention, or if that's like, if that's the end game, uh, yeah, that's not going to work out. You'll, you'll end up with, you might end up with an audience, yeah. but that audience isn't, if they're there for you and not what you're offering, I don't know. It just, to me, everything that I do is not about, I, I hope it's not about me. I try not to make it about me. I try to make it about the message and I try to make it about the people who are showing up at the event. So anyway, fast forward, like I did lots of little events like that. And, um, like I've done speaker trainings, I've done workshops, I've done, and in the meantime, you kept blogging you kept podcasting. I kept all this stuff up and a lot of, a lot of it was as a hobby. I launched a business that, um, arguably failed. It didn't fail. We sold it. Like it didn't, we didn't go bankrupt, but, um, it didn't grow like we expected it to. And I broke even and it caused me a lot of stress and put a lot of pressure on some important relationships in my life. And I didn't necessarily consider it a huge win. I got, I learned a lot, but it what didn't have the outcome that I wanted. And so I've been working at this for seven years, trying to figure out what is the recipe. Like I know the message that I want to share with the world. I know the impact that I want to have on the world. I know what I'm capable of, but like, what is the path? And only recently in the last like eight months after seven years, six and a half, seven years of trying, Am I start finally starting to like un unlock 
what I'm meant to be doing. So, so now that I've been doing that work for so long, you know, every so often an opportunity comes out to be featured on a publication or a podcast and my audience will grow a little bit and people will become more aware of me. And I've started to learn how to like pitch, um, TV and, and big bloggers and radio. And that's kind of helped to expand my influence and my credibility a little bit. And that's a lot how I, the audience got there last night. Like there, we tried, let me do, I'll just tell you all of the marketing avenues that we tried um, to fill the room yesterday. We did retargeting for pe- people who had visited past events, both through email, like we, we I messaged them via, via our email list and then Facebook and Instagram ads. We also had a Facebook and Instagram campaign that was for cold traffic to try and convert them. We did a direct mail campaign and spent over $1,000 on it and had a total of zero conversions from it. We had billboards along the freeway of I-15 we did radio appearances. We did TV appearances. Um, we, I, I even considered doing like a voicemail campaign, but just didn't have the time to turn around and do it. But like, we tried a lot of traditional media and digital, and so we used influencers. We hired influencers to to um, promote us. Um, paid money for some of those, and some other ones we like exchanged free tickets. Uh, we did giveaways, like so many things, and a whole lot of them failed. They did not give us results. And the, the best converting method of getting people to show up is finding people who already knew who I was and had heard the message and getting them to c- commit to coming back. Mm. Um, that was by far the highest converting means. So how big would you say is that group of people who know who you are, have some affinity, some, some you know, <sighs> like factor, some trust factor? So like how many people are on your email list? Uh, a couple thousand. Like coming up on three, 3,000. So it's not a huge list. Mm -hmm. And, um, when you put out a podcast or a blog on average, how many people, uh, get a couple thousand downloads. Mm -hmm. So between the podcast, the email list and the social media, I mean, if, if we, a lot of those are repeat people, they're not all unique. So I would guess that my influence of like people who know who I am and what I do is probably around 5,000 people. Mm Um, Yeah. It's a good sized group. Yeah. Yeah. It's getting there. Yeah, definitely. So that's, and it's just the the crazy thing that I'm starting to realize is, um, and this is something that I've been talking with my business partner a lot about this week is that people trust the voice that they hear the most often. And if people are used to hearing from you via your podcast or they're used to hearing from you via email and you miss a few weeks, the voice goes away and the trust drops. So part of being a really great entrepreneur, at least if you're um, selling like a service or you're doing online education, if you're trying to build a, a brand that requires a certain amount of trust, like if you're just selling widgets, it may not necessarily, this may not apply as much. But if you're, yeah, if you're selling a service or you're selling something where, where trust is involved, uh, you need to be present in people's lives. Like you need to have, you need to be in their ears and their brain and their eyes. You need to be the, for me, my goal is to be the person for a large group of people that when they think marriage or relationships, they think, Oh, Nate Bagley would know like, Oh, I'm having problems with mm, setting boundaries or I'm having problems with communication. Nate Bagley will have an answer for me. I'll just reach out to him. Uh, that's, that's my goal, but people won't think of me. They'll think of somebody else. If somebody else is louder and more frequently in their ear. So so for you to c- cultivate your audience, there's the reaching out to new avenues, but then you, 
you know, I have to cultivate trust with them and you got to publish regularly. Yeah. I have to have that podcast going out every week. I have to have that email going out a couple times a week, at least, at least once a week. Uh, I gotta be, you know, and that's the other thing we talked in the last, in the last episode, um, in the mindset and motivation Monday about not getting distracted. And part of what I have to do is not overcommit myself. Like I can't keep up with Instagram and Pinterest and Facebook and, uh, and a podcast and email and like maybe Gary V can because he can afford to hire a team to follow him around and YouTube. You know, there's all these different platforms for me. Like I have to pick what I'm good at and I have to pick what resonates with my audience and what resonates with me. And if I over, if I spread myself too thin, I can't serve my audience well. So there's a certain amount of, um, picking your battles until you can afford to pay people to level up, if that makes sense. Cool. Well, those are, um, I mean, that's good information on, on the audience. I think, uh, you know, when, when Brian unveiled this, I completely agreed like, Oh yeah, yeah, the audience is absolutely, you know, at the, the foundation piece of the pyramid. And, and I hope what, uh, you all listening can, can hear or you can hear because yeah, yeah. you're listening. Yeah, 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 exactly. What am I talking about? Well, uh, something something you've you been able it. to take away from what Nate has said is depending on your business, there's a lot of different ways um, that your that the audience component can work in in your business. And uh, for things like t- you know talking about love and relationships where trust is huge, then frequency of contact is going to be important, right? And, or like with Brian, look what he does. You know, he does three podcast episodes a week. Yeah. And, it's a huge thing. He needs to build trust with listeners. If he's like the moment you think of a business question, what Brian wants to have happen is, Oh, I'm starting a business. Oh, I don't know how to do this thing. They like his goal is to have you go. I bet Brian would know he'll have a resource for me. I'm going to turn to him. Yep. That's, that's the goal. And then he can serve. And that's what business is, is just providing value for people. Absolutely. Um, Cool. So the next step up is marketing. You shared some of that with us of all those different uh, channels, all those different activities and tactics that you attempted, mm-hmm. um, experimented with, which I think is great because you never know until you test it. Um, would you say, did you hit like the right mix this time of stuff that's steady and that you know that works and then stuff that uh, was a test in the sea or do you think you went too far one way or another? No, I think... Uh, I- this was the first time, the first event that we had where I felt like we had enough of a of budget that we could afford to fiddle around and figure out what worked and what didn't. So I felt like we had a really good blend. I was discouraged that some of the stuff didn't work out. And then there's the frustration also. And this is like a, I don't know if this is relevant to this conversation, but um, I think part of the reason that I, I wanted to sell out the room and we didn't sell out the room. And I was a little bit caught up on that for a while. I was hung up and disappointed and I think a huge reason that we didn't sell out the room is because we chose a, a crappy day to do our event. It was, the, it was the day after Valentine's Day, so a lot of people had already used the babysitter the day before and didn't want to leave their kids behind two nights in a row. Uh, it's on the same, it's a three-day weekend, President's Day weekend, and it was the Friday, Saturday, sun, like Friday night was the, the first night of that weekend, so a lot of people had left town. Um, and so it was just kind of like a weird, a weird day. And so I, the frustrating thing for me is I don't know if some of the marketing didn't work because of the date that we chose or if it's just because the marketing didn't work. Hmm. How do you think you could find that out? Test again. Yeah. Repetition. Like you'll, you, I know you'll agree with this, but data is your best friend. Yeah. Like I think it's really easy to give up on something to shut down a campaign or to stop uh, using one tactic because you fail once. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And there's a part of me that's like, okay, direct mail. That didn't go ideally, but can I change my approach? Can I change the messaging? Can I change the format? Can I change the way it looks and pick a better date? There's a case where it's like, you did it once, you have some traction, go find a direct mail expert and say, hey, here's the the whole situation. This was what we sent. Uh, If I were to do this again... Like, what, what would you what, do yeah, yeah, how could we improve it? And that's way better than having gone to a direct mail expert with nothing and say, I'm thinking about doing this. Right. Because um, you just, there's no traction to work and, with there. And a lot of the marketing that we did was very last minute. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we started to scramble as sales weren't hitting what we thought. And invariably when that happens, the marketing becomes about the marketing and not about the audience. Right. Be, we got a little desperate. Yeah. So, so next time around, we have a, a much better strategy. We have collateral and messaging already in place. We have campaigns that already worked. And now it's a, a, just a matter of flipping a switch and revising and improving instead of like having to create everything from scratch. This is also why focus is huge because when you've done something once, then you can build on it. But if you keep switch, 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 then you're always having to create everything from, from scratch, nothing. which is yeah. exhausting. It's like build a pyramid instead of like a thousand little piles of sand. Yes. <laughs> you know? Ooh, that was a good yeah. analogy, Nat. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. You're so smart. <laughs> yeah, oh, super. Um, so yeah, those are some things to think about. Uh, well, I think this then that next year you should just do it on Valentine's Day. I agree. Or the week before. Hmm. There yeah, were several yeah, other events that were the week before Valentine's yeah. Day that did very well. Yeah. Like I spoke at an event the week before Valentine's Day and they had 700 couples there, 1,400 yeah. people. Yeah, because then, yeah, you could position it as a like prep for Valentine's Day or get ready to have the best Valentine's Day of your life. Or, yep. Yeah. So, okay, there we go. cool. Um, Is there anything that you want me to answer about marketing about that marketing? I didn't? Um, yeah, I think right here, let, let's talk about... Um, about the the partners that uh, put you in the position to um, you know have it be a smart choice to invest in all those testing that's a great uh, marketing things because yeah because before I marketed myself to customers uh, this this event would not have been possible without Homie our partner and honestly like we wouldn't have had the funding we would ha- we not we would not have been profitable uh, it would have been a huge failure if it hadn't been for having a corporate sponsor. And I look at a, I've seen a lot of other people in my space try and succeed with events. And, um, I've seen that all of them fail almost because they either don't, they, they either don't charge enough, uh, or, uh, they can't fill a room or they just can't essentially what it boils down to is they can't cover their overhead yeah. and it becomes, uh, they, they lose money on the event and then they just decide not to do it anymore. And my strategy, um, rather than making it too expensive for people to attend or making it so I had to get 2,000 people to show up in order to make a profit, my strategy was to find a partner. And um, so I approached companies in the area, and I was very thoughtful about who are the companies whose audience are my audience, where we have like a huge overlap between audiences. And I've seen and heard a lot of people try and pitch sponsorships. And it's really easy to get caught up in trying to sell your vision and say, oh my gosh, this is what we're trying to do. And like, we want you to be a part of it and we want you to be, come and join us and we're going to change the world together. And it's like companies don't, people don't care that much about your vision. What they care most about is their vision. Yeah. Or at, at best, like they do care. They just don't have bandwidth yeah. to care enough to do more than what they're doing for what vision they have already committed themselves to. Exactly. <laughs> if, they're, if they're successful in business, they are what we already talked about. They're focused. Yeah, they're, they're busy. They are and doing they don't what they a, are doing. They don't want a little distraction. They right. want something that they can easily just plug into their strategy that's easy for them. 
Um, and so that's basically what I, I approached a couple of different companies and Homey was one of them. And, and I just said, look, tell me who your customer is. I think I already know, but is it these people? Is it, is it couples, you know, families between the ages of 20, like late, late twenties to early forties. And they're like, well, yeah, cause Homey works with people to, um, buy and sell homes. And that age group is like the age group where people are getting married and they're buying their first house or they're having kids and they have to upgrade so that everybody has, they have more space. And so that demographic is like their ideal demographic. They're the people who are looking for houses. And I said, great. Well, my guess is that you want to build relationships with those people so that when they think about moving, they think about you and not a realtor, right? And they go, yeah, that's exactly what we want. And I said, great. Well, I'm getting a whole bunch of those people in a room. And I would, would you like it? to be there. Yeah, I would them. love it if you guys were there. I think that what you provide is a valuable service. I think people would be interested in learning about it. I think people would be, I think it'd be a great opportunity for you to interact with them face to face instead of just over a Facebook ad or an email or a billboard. And uh, I want you guys to have a presence at the event. Do you want to do it? And they were like, oh yeah, that's really easy. We have an event team. And I'm like, great. Let me give you the dates of the event. Let me give you my, the sponsorship fee. Like what's, what, what's one customer worth to you? And they told me what their customer value was. And I said, great. Well, basically if you get one or two customers at, from this event, then it's going to be profitable for you. And they're like, oh, this is a no-brainer for us. And after they sponsored one event, they came back and said, we want to sponsor four more. Boom. And, um, and it's turned into this really great partnership. And the CMO yesterday stood up at the event, and he was like, this, the reason we're sponsoring this event is because it aligns with our values, and this needs to exist. And we want to make your life better just like Nate wants to make your life better. And I'm like, this is a perfect partnership. This is the type of partnership that you need to look for is, Where's the audience overlap? Where's the values overlap? And how can you show the person that you're pitching what's in it for them, not what not what's in it for you? You know, uh, it's interesting because when we we're talking about partners at the level of marketing, but this is the same conversation about having audience. If you you know go back to episode one with Brian of like you don't have a business idea, well, who do you want to serve? It's the same approach of like how do you build an audience? You pick who you want to serve and you find out what they need and what they're working on and how you can actually help them. It's the same way of bringing on a partner, um, you know, in a marketing effort for an uh, for an event or, or anything like this. Is totally who are they? Uh, what do they want? What are they working on? How can I serve them? Yeah, and, and then make it as easy as possible yeah, for them. Yeah, good job, Nate. Thanks, man. Yeah, really good job booking that. And I think the the testament to the fact that you did the work right is that they had a good experience with one and said, "Let's do four. Yeah. And now, and, and the cool thing now is that because of Homie, I'm I have to rebrand my company <laughs> because they want to do an event in Arizona, mm-hmm. and so I get to enter into a brand new market, and I'm funded. I have a safety net, knowing that I can show up and I can spend a, a big chunk of money advertising and marketing to a new a new market, and then once I have a successful event there, I can put them on the rotation, and I can go back every four to six months and do a new event and have those people keep coming back. And as they're, as they continue to expand, I can continue to expand with them. So it's a win-win situation. Super. Yeah. All right. Let's go up the scale here and talk about offers. 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 Um, before we talk about the in-event offer, uh, is there anything more you want to say about the offer of the event itself? Like, like, do you think you did a good job of uh, presenting the event such that it was attractive for people to come or, or what did you learn about it this time versus yeah. the last two? One of the it? big struggles that I ran into was, um, Oh crap. One of the big struggles that I ran into with, with the offer that I think I still, it's, it's hard for me is I talk a lot about features and not benefits. Um, and that's a no, no, like 
we we had a stacked it was a fun night like we had a magician the, the theme of the evening was keeping the magic alive we had a magician come in to perform a magic show and he was hilarious and did a really great job and we were advertising giving away a trip to disneyland and we had all these prizes and we had professional speakers and like it was a it was we worked hard on putting together a package night and that's what we were trying to sell but really what people wanted to buy if in my opinion is less about the chance to win a trip to Disneyland or see a magician perform, but it's a date night that you don't have to plan. You just show up. It's an opportunity to come and strengthen your marriage and leave more in love than when you walked than when you walked through the doors. It's a it, it, the the benefits are you know all you have to do is find a babysitter and come here and I promise you'll have an amazing time. Like and it's way better. It's the same price as dinner in a movie, but you'll get way more value out of it. You know you start getting people thinking like when is the last time you did something new together. When was the last time you invested in your relationship in a meaningful way and had a blast doing it? Like that is way more of a selling point for people than you might win a trip to Disneyland. But the mm-hmm. thing I wanted to focus on was, hey, this is exciting. You could win a trip to Disneyland. And uh, I just don't think that moves ticket sales. Like, like uh, I, th- I don't know. Like my instinct said it would. Yeah, I think the lesson there is um, that with, I mean, it's just not core that's that's not the core offer, so it can't be the leading message. Right. Like, you can be in there. It's just got to be way after you've totally established what the actual offer is. Yep, so that's something that I'm I'm definitely working on as far as the offer is concerned, is how do I get somebody's attention right off the bat and have them go, oh, yeah, I want to go to that event. Mm-hmm. And on that note, if you missed, I think it was last Wednesday's episode, where Brian plays the recording of uh, his call with one of his students... Amazing conversation. Just so good because she was kind of similar. Just, uh, well, it was more on the difference between information and, and transformation, but it is a similar kind of thing if she just wants to tell them features, give them information. And Brian really l- led her through a great conversation about how to uh, rethink that, kind of re- reprogram her approach to it of like, no, you've got to reframe the way that people look at, at this whole thing um, and get them, you know, it's n- not a perfect lineup, but uh, get them excited about a benefit that could be available to them cool go check it out guys yeah all right next line up sales yeah you made an offer at the event i there were were two offers at the event there were two offers at the event uh my offer was to join what is called the legendary love challenge it's a seven day relationship challenge meant to walk you through all the principles and mindsets that you need to have an extraordinary relationship. And the cool thing about it is that, uh, we've had this built in system of accountability where people pay the sign up fee, which is 60 bucks at the beginning of the week. And if they complete the challenge within seven days, we give them their money back hundred percent. Um, so I was really excited to pitch that. I was really excited to sell people into it. And I, um, originally was not going to sell that. I was going to sell the 1% club, which is like our, which is what the, the legendary love challenge leads into. But then I got scared and I was like, I don't feel like this is the right setting. Like, I don't want people to come to my event and feel like they came here to be sold to. I want them to come and feel like this is the next logical step. If I want to take the information that I learned tonight to the next level. And so I changed my offer like the day before the event after having thought about it a lot. And then I didn't rehearse my pitch and therefore I did not, um, I did, I would give myself like a C. Yeah. You weren't, um, I, the emotion was there, but the, 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 there was like a, a smoothness and confidence that, that wasn't there. Yes. Like I have seen in you before. Yeah. 
So in, in part, it's because I hadn't gone through the slides before. I missed one of my slides. Like there was at the final slide that I didn't get to. Uh, I didn't t- tell people that they could sign up on their phones right then. And I should have said, like, take out your phone, type in legendarylovechallenge.com and sign up right now. Like I could have made a call to action way stronger. I didn't talk about the benefits and, or the, um, the bonuses that I had planned out. Mm-hmm. I had some really awesome bonuses for people who signed up that I was going to give and uh, did not talk about those. And so they're like, maybe I give myself a D <laughs> like I just, <laughs> yeah, I well, did. And, uh, you told me before we started recording that what also threw you off is, Oh yeah. <laughs> so typically when we do these events, um, I'm backstage and I'm like thinking through my talk and I'm thinking through the process of the evening and just trying to get in the zone, getting like aligned and, and ready to just like come out lock, stock and barrel and just like fire off some awesome value. But this, this time we had this magician who was the first act and I was right after him. I was, uh, anyway, and I really wanted to see him perform. So I went out in the audience and I watched him perform and I laughed and I had a fun time and I was like, this guy's great. And then he finished and I was like, Oh, Oh, I'm on. And I had to like run up on stage and like open the curtain and turn on my presentation and like stall. And then I was like psychologically not in it to dive right into the talk. And it took me a while to get up to speed. And I think I was, it wasn't the, I hadn't, because I wasn't, uh, psychologically where I wanted to be. My performance suffered Yeah, and it kind of took my, took me out of my game. And I still think I delivered value and I still think people, people got stuff out of it, but I just did not do what I wanted. Yeah. And you know, I wouldn't take any one of those individual things and make like a hard and fast rule about it. Like, Oh, you can never be in the audience like right. at your event beforehand. It's just more like, okay. Um, did I practice this so thoroughly that I like completely have it nailed and memorized and, and I could do it at any time in any place. Okay, cool. Then yeah, I can go, go watch it and plan on that and say, I'm going to watch yeah. this and know that as soon as it's done, then it's time for me to shine. I don't but know. It's just, it was like not totally prepared and you probably didn't really think through, am I going to watch the magician or not? Just more like he started and you're like, Oh, I want to watch him. And so you yeah. did. And then you're like, Oh, oh and <laughs> so yeah. not, not thinking all the way through. Yeah. And I don't know how many times I have to learn this lesson, but it'll eventually sink in. But there is, there is, there is a value in practicing something as it under the same amount of stress that you would if you were performing it. Like it's, it's, I remember I had to memorize this. Um, there was the man in the arena quote. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not the, yeah. The credit goes to the man in the ring. Yeah. Yep. The man in the arena whose face is marred by dot dust and sweat and blood who strides valiantly, who errs, who come short again and again. Anyway, it's a really great quote, but I had to memorize that for a men's retreat and I like taped it to my visor in my car. And every time I got in my car, I'd read it and I had it like pretty locked in by the time I got to the event. And, um, then what they did at the event is they called each person into a, a room and they had a camera and lighting and they had a stage and you had to stand on the stage under the lights with a like just the cameraman and one other guy. And he said, okay, go ahead. Say the man in the arena. And I started and I froze. I got halfway through and I froze up and I was like, Oh, I have this memorized, but I don't have this memorized under stress. Mm-hmm. Like what re- and you think you had the information in your brain, but you hadn't really developed the performance of it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, I got all the words. I'm fine. But knowing the right answers and knowing the right answers when it counts are two different things. And that's in relationships. You see that all the time. Like people know they shouldn't explode and yell at their partner, but when they're under duress, they do it anyway. 
in business, people know that they shouldn't like lash out at a customer who's being stubborn. But when you're stressed and you're overwhelmed and you have a rough day and you have a crappy customer come in and you sometimes blow it, you know, or you know when you're making a sales pitch that you need to be calm and collected and you need to be well rehearsed and the process that you need to go through. But if you're not prepared, you panic and you make stupid mistakes and then you sound desperate and you don't get the sale. Mm-hmm. And uh, practicing under the amount, practicing in performance conditions is important. Yeah. So, and you know, I thought that I just had, had about this is like, why is practicing for the sales so important? I mean, there's a, a number of things besides just the fact that you want to be successful, but take that away. The sale is the moment where you, you invite someone to make that transition from being an insight chaser to being an action taker. And when you put uh, someone or when you give someone else an opportunity to act, like that's a serious moment for them. Like their life will never be the same from. Uh, whether they say yes or whether they say no, because then it will change something about their being of they were presented with an opportunity and they either accepted it or they didn't. And when you accept an opportunity, then all of a sudden all the values and all the things that go along with that opportunity then become part of your being. And when you say no, you have like rejected and pushed all of those opportunities out, which could be a good thing. It could be that the offer is, is totally wrong. So, it's a very, very important moment for the person who is being asked to do something and practicing is important because just as big of a moment as it is for the person who's being asked, it's a huge moment for us because we recognize how big of a deal it is. And so you've got to practice to just have all those other concerns out of the way um, so that you're not messed up by them and you can just stay in the zone with the person and be of service to them. So true, man. And one of the hardest things for me last night was making this pitch and knowing, knowing that if people did it, it could change their lives and then flubbing it and, and seeing people go, Oh, maybe, maybe I'll sign up later. And I'm like, Oh, I screwed up your opportunity. Yeah. That's a little hard. Yep. It's hard to admit. Got to practice the sale. I will practice the sale. Luckily I have the same event to do like three more times. So Uh, I can polish it up and then come back and report. Maybe we'll have another uh, basement uh, speech practice session. That's probably a good idea. Yeah. I'll bring spotlights. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> Make it a real situation. All right. So this is great. I mean, w- we've talked a lot about many aspects of your business and now to, to cap it off, the capstone of the pyramid is growth. So, you know, having done all of this work, like what growth is available to the business now, or what, what growth have you accomplished, uh, from the event last night? And then yeah. what are you learning from all these things that, you know, can lead to, to growth so in the future? The really cool thing, and we didn't talk about this. Um, so I'm glad we get a chance to talk about it now. We in past events, um, have always in a desperation to try and fill, fill the room. We discount tickets or give them away because we'd rather talk to a large group than nobody. And in, for this event, we did not discount tickets. And, um, so we got roughly the same number of people to show up as we have for the previous two events between three and 500 people. Um, but our revenues doubled. So we ended up pulling down rough, almost exactly $10,000 in, in gross revenue from ticket sales. Uh, Laura sold a workshop that we're doing in April and she closed 10 people from the stage, which was pretty great because it's a $250 ticket, which is an extra $2,500. Um, and that event is 
almost no overhead because we have a free conference room that we get to use for the event. Mm-hmm. So that's really great. And then um, we had a handful of people sign up for the Legendary Love Challenge. So we had over a 10K evening, um, which was nice. Uh, so that financial growth was good. And I think um, because we've been working on iterating the event and improving it, the number of people who are excited about returning is significantly higher percentage-wise than at previous events. So I think that we're starting to really um, cultivate a great relationship with the community. That, Like I got an email this morning from somebody. Can I read it to you? Yeah. Uh, I won't read the name, but uh, this woman messaged me and she said, this was the second date night that my husband and I have gone to together. We absolutely loved the vibes, the laughs, the questions, and the conversations, and love and the love that they give. It's become a goal of ours to attend every date night that you put on. We see the value that they bring to our marriage. Thank you for the hard work, the study, the growth, and the love that you're sharing in the world. I was like, that's what it's all about right there. Mm-hmm. Like, It's about showing up and putting on a show that is worthy of people saying, hey, we want to go to every single one of this guy's, these guys' events because when we leave, we feel better. We feel connected and there's something that we have to work on. So, um, yeah, I think that covers the growth. Now it's about expanding the audience, getting more people to that, to that landing page who are qualified to show up and have their lives changed. Awesome. Well, good work. Thanks, man. Good interview. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about the event? Uh, I'm glad you came. Oh, thanks for being there. Happy to be there. I'm excited to talk about your part in just a minute. Yeah, so join us at Friday the for the, our last episode this week. Two days. Feature Friday, in which we will be talking about... Sup- a surprise. <laughs> a surprise. <laughs> a big... Yeah. We're going to be talking about sales and uh, being an entrepreneur, <laughs> but in a very special and important way. In a personal way. Okay, bye. See ya. Oh, man. What is up? It's your usual host, Brian LaFermento, here. What a freaking episode that was. Nate and Nat really brought the heat in that episode. I'll tell you what, as a listener, I thoroughly enjoyed that episode. I think that is one of the best Strategy Wednesday episodes that has ever aired here on this podcast. I know I got so many aha moments from that episode. Kudos to Nate for being so vulnerable. Kudos to Nat for, as always, just doing a really analytical and incredible job at dissecting what actually makes business work and and where we can improve our businesses. So both of you are incredible entrepreneurs, even better friends. I'm so glad to have you guys guest hosting this week. I just wanted to chime in for a really quick second to remind you listeners, if you haven't yet joined the Wantrepreneur to Entrepreneur community on Facebook, what are you waiting for? Hop on over to letmeinthegroup.com. That's letmeinthegroup.com. Come hang out with me. Come hang out with Nat. Come hang out with Nate and so many other entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs from all across the world. It is a truly special community online where you can be you, you can be vulnerable, you'll be surrounded with positive people, you'll be surrounded with people who cheer you on, encourage you, support you, and always lift you up in everything that you do. I'm excited to interact with everyone in there, so jump on over to letmeinthegroup.com, and trust me, I am just as excited and curious as you all are about this Friday's episode. So we will see you again here on the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast this Friday with Nate and Nat.